Hey, I'm Katie Barbarian. This is Writeability. I'm here today with the wonderful Jamie Moore. Jamie, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Moore. I'm an English professor at College of the Sequoias. And what are you doing right now with your life? Oh, I am on sabbatical. Which is what? It means that because I have been at COS for a certain amount of time and given a certain amount of service, I am able to take a semester off from teaching and I'm working on a different kind of project for our campus community. For me, that means extended education so that I can come back and train some of our teachers. For other folks, that might mean curriculum building or other kinds of projects Yay. It's super cool. So of course I'm making you work while you're not supposed to be doing (laughs) stuff for us. Anyway, so today we're here to talk to you about having agency. And I keep thinking of the phrase claiming your education Mm -hmm. from that Adrian Rich reading. You know what I'm talking about? The education reading. I always think about that. When we want students to have agency in their classrooms or in their educations, what does that mean to you, Jamie? The way that I would define agency in the classroom is that I want students to feel like they have the authority and they have the, what's the right word here? I want to say responsibility. (laughs) Yeah, agency is is such a fill-in word for me, but that they feel comfortable and confident talking about elements of their education and how it affects them. Part of that is the relationship that they have with their instructor and the relationship they have to their classroom community. When students have agency, I want them to be able to feel comfortable talking to me as their instructor about what's working for them in the class, what's not working for them in the class, what are accessibility needs that they might have, what suggestions they might have, thoughts about the classroom atmosphere, even resources or suggestions they might have for our campus community and their experience at College of the Sequoias as a whole. Learning how to advocate and just use their voice to speak up for what will make their experience, their whole college experience, worthwhile. Can we start to like finish defining that? Can you give one example and all I can think of one too, from your own education where you took agency? Hey, I have a recent one. (laughs) So I, I returned to grad school as a PhD student and I've had some difficulty going from teacher role back to student role. I had a class last semester where my instructor was assigning writers that they weren't as familiar with, but were assigning them because it felt (laughs) diverse. And instead of taking time to really unpack the history and the context, the instructor just kind of turned it over to the students to discuss. And the problem with that was that most of my classmates didn't have that background information. So as someone who really cared about some of the pieces that we were reading, I had to go to my instructor and say, hey, this is really not working for me. I feel like I'm having to educate my classmates. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. It makes me feel like I have to take this position of authority and speak for a group of people. In this case, we were, we were speaking about Black scholars. And so that puts me in a position where I feel very uncomfortable because we're not talking about this in this larger historical context. 
So all of that said, I, I had to have a conversation with, with my instructor. And of course, this is coming from my agency built up over years and years to say, hey, this part of your curriculum is actually making me feel very targeted in our classroom conversations. And I think there's a different way that we could approach this so that we could build a better, more critical community. And how'd that go? <laughs> It was difficult to be very honest. And this is the tough part about agency is that depending on what your relationship is with the instructor, depending on where the instructor is in their own academic identity and comfortability with being flexible, sometimes you come across professors who will be like, yes, absolutely. Thank you for that feedback. And sometimes you'll come across some that are a little more defensive. I've had situations, this instructor was able to adjust that. But sometimes I've had instructors who don't, and that's okay. You know, my hope, just like my hope is as a teacher is like, can I plant a little seed to let them know, like, this is my experience and maybe something can change in the future. But in the best case scenario, that openness um, and an instructor's flexibility can change the classroom experience. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, my situation is also from grad school right now. I'm thinking of mm-hmm. a situation where I chose not to do an assignment, which I mm-hmm. t- also told you about, where you just described your agency as building over time. I was always a student who was just like, like, I remember when I was a kid, my parents would be like, your teacher's like your boss. And I think this is both bad advice for teachers and bosses, but like whatever they say goes. And so like those times where I came back and I was like, oh, I don't like this thing in school. It would be very like, no, they're your boss right now. You have to deal with it. Which again, it's not good advice for bosses either. Like I really, no, it's it's not. Your job. but like, you know, it was the nineties or whatever. So like I had to deal, but like for me the second time around in grad school, I was very, I was getting a second master's and I like tell my students all the time, you need to have agency. Tell me when something's not working, blah, blah, blah. And while my teachers weren't saying that in my head, I was like, no, nah, if I tell my students to do this, I should not be scared. <laughs> Quite a few assignments where I was just like, I'm going to do this my way because they like, they're leaving out the thing we should be talking about. I also had like, you know, a bad experience towards the end where I was just like, I'm going to skip an assignment because I was never the Mm -hmm. student who skipped an assignment. I knew what it would do to my grade, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly in my portfolio, they like made it worth way more than it was, had been worth before. And I had to like go back to the teacher and be like, Hey, like what the heck is going on? Um, sort of a moment of me standing up for myself and and we negotiated it out, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do, especially in those environments where the teachers aren't welcoming and making space for it. Like, I know I personally try to make space for feedback. You know, I'm always just like, tell me, I want to know this is how I get better. Everyone's not like that. And that definitely Mm -hmm. makes it hard. I think Jamie, one thing as we're talking about this, one thing that I know and I know we've talked about this with other instructor about other instructors too, but like, I think part of this depends on how you view the relationship between teacher and instructor, like mm. what that relationship is and what it right. should in your ideal world. What is the relationship between student and instructor? I see the instructor as a facilitator of learning, not as an authority figure. Mm. I see the relationship as a space for collaboration. I think that's good. And I mean, one thing with that is like, which might lead to another question is that I think that every professor, um, like I want all the feedback. I want to know if students aren't working. Yes. yes. Um, I want everything like, because to me, my job is 
teaching and if y'all aren't learning, like I'm not doing my job, right? Like I'm doing something wrong. Right. Can you think of situations where students have like told you something wasn't working or, and you've made changes? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Share some of those. I think those are good for students to hear. Yeah. So in my English one course, I've had a lot of trial and error learning how to most effectively teach the research paper. And I will be honest with you. I don't think I have it down perfectly yet, especially in the transition between in-person, online, <laughs> going back and forth. It's very difficult to, to figure out like how much should be student-led, how much direct instruction some students need. When we first moved into online instruction because of the pandemic, I had a group of students who were very like self-motivated and had a desire to explore a little bit more. (laughs) So I had given them these like specific topics to research and thought that they wanted to have time together to be on Zoom and to walk through each of the academic databases. Um, So I scheduled those Zooms and there was less than normal participation Students seemed very checked out. And in my head, I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be very helpful, like that they want to see all the different ways that they can search and stuff like that. When I asked students how that experience was, they said, actually, that wasn't super helpful. That's not actually what we had questions about, right? In fact, we are, (laughs) we're pretty technically able, right? We search things all the time. We wanted time to explore and then have more conversation about what we found and if those things were as relevant to our topic. So we rearranged deadlines and stuff like that to make sure we had time to talk about what sources they found on their own. That that's one example. Okay. So Imagine you're a student in a class where they are not like you or me, who's always just like, guys, this is working. Like, what do you want? Like, how do I help you? How can a student and excuse my language, but approach this? How does a student like take agency without seeming like an asshole? (laughs) I think the first thing that I would do is to visit your instructor's office hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the first thing I was thinking is like, don't do it in front of the class. Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, Firstly, you have to be really bold to just like be like, hey, by the way, in the hey, this sucks. Class, <laughs> um, sometimes students do that. <laughs> they do. They do. I like it. I'm like, okay. Yes. But but you have to have a good gauge, right? On on what your instructor wants. If if that atmosphere is present, then yes, you know, like I, I think you and I are very similar where if those kinds of questions or comments come up, we do want to bring it back to the class community and and ask for that feedback from everyone. But if you don't get that sense from your instructor, I think approaching them in their office hours or student hours is a really good way to firstly start creating that relationship with the instructor and also gauge their receptability to that feedback. I also think there's, there's like another layer of this, right. Of like the urgency of the need. If you are providing feedback about an assignment, I think it's okay. Like in those office hours to approach, let's say you're giving feedback on an assignment that was very difficult and didn't really work for you. Or you're sharing that like several of your peers had difficulty with it. 
I think it's okay to share that in office hours and also maybe even approach it as a question, right? Mm. Like I would go to my professor, you know, I had, I had a situation like this actually, where I was like, I'm not sure if I'm understanding the demands of this assignment. I'm not sure if I'm understanding the right way to start this assignment and process it. And I also think that several of my peers share this concern. So I'm wondering if you could explain that to me, if we could go over it more in class, because I think it could be helpful for other students as well. Something like that, where that feedback is built into a question or a specific action that your instructor can take. Right. You're not making it about them. You're making it about your learning experience. Exactly. Exactly. I was thinking about a similar story where I approached a grad school teacher because I didn't understand the purpose of an assignment. Like for me to like find meaning in something, I need to know why I'm doing it, but I couldn't be like, why are you making us do this? Right. Instead I was like, Hey, can we talk more about like how this fits into the bigger picture of what we're doing because I'm having a hard time seeing the connection. And that works better than being like, hey, you didn't explain this connection. I think that's one of the, yeah, it is one of the things as they revise the courses, I actually know that they're working on that for next time, Um, which is the other thing about feedback that I think might be important is that sometimes, sometimes we're in too deep and cannot fix that thing for your class. Yes. I sure as hell fix it for the next class. So for example, like students weren't happy with the due dates I had chosen mm-hmm. pretty randomly and students told me, and I was like, okay, look, we are three fourths of the way through the semester. I cannot change this now, but it will be better f- for the next students. Jamie. So let's say you go to a teacher in office hours, you approach them like we're talking about, and they just don't take it well. What happens then? And I, I'm interested to hear your perspective on this too. Firstly, no, like you're not doing anything wrong. I I think that it's easy to internalize that and to feel like, oh, I'm just not getting it or I'm not cut out for this class or something like that. And the majority of the time, (laughs) that is not the case, right? That is often somebody working through their own defenses, being too deep, like you said, and just fearing like, oh my gosh, if I change this one thing, how might that change the rest of the course? There is that real fear. But if it doesn't go well, there's a couple of different things, I I think. I mean, it's interesting because it really is situational. Like I asked that question, but I really think it is situational. It's very, right? Because depending on what it is, I mean, if it's something educational, like I hate to say, sometimes you just got to like, just do it and get through the class. I'm thinking about an undergrad class I took. I took a bio class, an undergrad that I did not do very well in because the teacher of this giant lecture would be like, well, y'all aren't bio majors. She would have a microphone because it was a giant lecture, but you guys can't see me. Jamie can see me holding a microphone. <laughs> she also would do like really like distasteful stand-up jokes all the time. Like she was doing stand-up. Oh my gosh. She was, she would show slides and be like, you guys aren't bio majors. So you don't need to understand how this works. Just memorize it. It was a class of 200 students. I never approached her. I yeah. tried my best to memorize it. I watched YouTube videos to try to understand the concepts. And I was just, mm-hmm. and I wrote her a really scathing review at the end. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I mean, it really just depends. Like, I, I think that like, it, find ways to make it your own, find ways to make it meaningful for yourself. There are situations though, where if it's like a portfolio or a final paper where your grade hinges on something that you think is an unfair practice 
or there's accessibility issues that it might be appropriate to complain, to escalate the issue. And that complaint could take several forms. And for me, the way that's happened in the past is firstly, I will talk to another instructor that I trust without specific details about that instructor as much as I can and say, hey, I have this situation and I'm wondering, does this policy make sense to you? And if not, what would be the best course of action? If you don't have those kinds of relationships with another instructor, perhaps going to a counselor and yeah, someone who, who you know might have the, that, that agency and those connections on campus to understand, and they will be able to connect you to a person that you might need to escalate that with or be able to facilitate a conversation with the instructor or with even the chair or the dean of that department. To While I ask this question, that's kind of what was in my head is like escalate it. Yeah. There is a process. Um, I was just talking to a student yesterday who was telling me that she um, didn't pass a class last semester because the teacher never answered emails. And I was like, she's like, yeah, I just kept emailing and they never responded. And I was just like, you should have emailed their department chair. The only like accountability, I guess, for us other than ourselves is if students email and reach out and people aren't watching our canvas shells and knowing if we're not yet answering our emails unless students say it. Right. So, I mean, as like terrible as that sounds, like I, I think that the part of taking agency as a student is like when something is somewhat not doing their job, then you, you got to report it. You got to, yeah, this is why no one's going to want to play this to their students. And, and, and I think part of what's important about that point right, is I think a lot of students, again, internalize and they don't say anything until after the course is over. And then that reporting happens in external modes, right? Students use things like Rate My Professor and Facebook boards and all of that, which I think every student has a right to, right? And when I was an undergrad, of course, I looked at those things. Part of the problem being on the other side of that is that I wish before a student did something like that, that I knew, right. I'm a human person. (laughs) And like, I I had a student who, who I found out had written something about the grading contract and I guess had missed a video that I had posted explaining it. And I'm like, wow, I wish that student would have reached out so that we could have had a conversation. So they didn't feel like they were in this place of confusion And I hope that in the same way instructors should continue to work on approaching that flexibility and that responsiveness to student feedback, that students are also thinking about how do I help this person? How do I help this community by approaching that with the instructor and with the community first? And that's not to say every student has the responsibility to do that. But I do think it's an important part of becoming a college-educated, engaged citizen, right? Like part of gaining this academic identity is being able to claim that voice and claim your education by being in conversation with your instructors, with your campus community about that experience of education. But I think that instead, because of that fear, because of that sense that, oh, nobody's going to care, that students don't often want to take that first step. And I'm here to encourage them. We do care. 
Yeah, it's that or they're afraid of some kind of retribution. And there will be no retribution if you talk to a department chair or dean. You can stay anonymous if you need to. You can safely do that. But no, I think that's really true. I think that's part of it, right? Because before we were saying like, you know, a lot of people think there's a dichotomy where like the teacher's the person in charge. But when we're trying to level those into more of a relationship, like they have responsibility towards you, but you also have responsibility towards them. And and when you do go to a department chair or dean, they, the first thing they're going to ask is, have you talked to the professor about this? And so like, you want to be able to be like, oh yes. And this was their reaction. So then I'm, now I'm here. I'm trying to think if I have other, I know one of the things, the reason we started talking about this is we were thinking about this in terms of the pandemic. You mentioned like advocating for themselves during COVID. What did you mean by that? Are you just saying like advocating for health and safety stuff? Like, well, yes. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, that's the first point. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things that I've realized that's made me feel, wow, I got to start some of my teacher education over is understanding accessibility issues. One of the things we know at COS is that not all of our students have the same access to technology to, to Wi-Fi, to be able to be on camera, like streaming, like we, as the demand for being online all the time has increased, mm-hmm. like the ability to be, to be on and, and present is just so much harder, right? The access to the right tools to be able to be a successful online student. All of that is really difficult to navigate. And then on top of that, one of the things that has been kind of beautiful in all of this um, really difficult moment is I think we've had more students be able to return to COS who are I have so yes, many returning students right now it makes folks me who so have come happy back to COS because they can take classes online and the availability of classes online means that they're able to to finish that degree because they can't be in person, whether that's transportation, whether that is physical limitations. And often those students need extra support, whether that be more accessible assignments in Canvas, learning how to navigate um, our learning management system. Well, and I think that's one of the great reasons to reach out, right? Like if you are struggling with homework assignments because of technology issues and you reach out to your teacher, they're gonna tell you, hey, you can get a laptop. From the Mm -hmm. library, right? You can borrow a laptop from the library. But like, if you don't reach out, you may never hear that. I mean, I think overwhelmingly people do want to help you be successful. Like, I think that's part of it too, like is believing that your teachers, believing us when we say that we want you to be successful, right? Like believing that we are not out to get you, that we really are there to like help you Mm -hmm. get through this. It's It's the thing that's keeping us holding on too. Because I'm sure students have also seen those headlines of teachers leaving their professions and the kinds of difficulties that are that teachers across all learning levels are experiencing. The thing that I'm missing immediately being on sabbatical is the connection with my students, even though it was incredibly difficult for the past year, one or two folks who would come to office hours and try to build that connection. And I would get off that call and think, my goodness, okay, even though this is really, really hard, I got to do it for this student. I got to keep going for this student. I got to think more creatively for this student. And that's what keeps us going. 
related to that, going to office hours early in the semester, not when you have something to complain about, but like earlier is a really good move if you can. 100%. (laughs) Like I I tell students over and over again, like I've been meeting with students this week. I have a meeting in eight minutes, but like, I've been like, (laughs) guys, like it's literally my job to meet with you. Like, cause I feel like a lot of students have that, like, Oh, I don't want to bug them. They're probably real busy. And I'm like, no, literally what I'm getting paid to do is teach you. And part of that is being available for meetings and stuff like where, so like if your teachers have those office hours, like use them, right? Use mm-hmm. them. Any last tips about taking agency for students? I would say that when you take those chances and when you advocate for yourself, there is this element of like personal development and growth that's hard to put into words. There's a like satisfaction. There is an increased confidence that will continue to grow. And that's going to be useful. That skill, that communication skill is going to be useful in every context of your life, (laughs) in every relationship you have, in every job situation. So this is the first step of that. When they say college teaches you life skills, this is the first part of that. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. So remembering the question I used to end these with, which is what are you learning right now, Jamie? Wow. I am learning. I'm actually sitting next to a 900 page anthology. Oh no. <laughs> this is I do too guys. much learning, but I'm learning about African-American rhetoric. We often talk about rhetoric as very much limited to a European Western perspective. So I'm scanning, trust and believe scanning is a skill y'all. I'm scanning through this anthology, learning about how um, rhetoric based in the African-American experience is a very unique understanding Mm -hmm. of rhetoric. So I hope to bring that to my English two classes. That's so exciting. I am. What am I learning? I am reading a ton of EEO stuff right now because I took over your reassigned time. Yeah. All the updates. I I did a vision resource center training the other day. um, Just trying to like reground myself and like how we hire and retain diverse faculty and staff and how that benefits our students. So I can advocate for those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Anyway, I think we're done. If you guys need me, my email address is kdb at cos.edu. This is Jamie and thanks for listening. Bye.